For almost 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has pointed the way toward salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of us, that journey starts in darkness, as in a cave. We invite you now to join us as we seek wisdom and truth by way of faith and reason with your guides, Mark Tuttle, Timothy O'Donnell, and Joseph Tomasian. Join us in the Catholic Cave. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kent Blanford in the cave with me, Mr. Mark Tuttle, Mr. Joseph Tomasian. Gentlemen, what do you identify as? The unicorn. That is a dangerous question these days. It's one of those questions that you hear over and over again today. And it's a matter of what is identity? How do we self-identify? How do I identify others? Where does identity come from? Yeah, that's that. That is a perfect question to start the show off with, because, you know, here in the Catholic cave, we like to try to take these things that are out there, I guess, in in the news, out in the atmosphere, out in people's everyday lives and really start to kind of look under the look under the hood, so to speak, try to try to figure out philosophically what are the underlying questions that are that are there and and begin to unpack them. And, and identity is is definitely a obviously it's hugely talked about. Um, so it, it is a, a concept that's in the news. It's always talked about, but it's but generally not in the same sort of language that we would use. Right, exactly. And, and you know, when people say I identify as um, I'm not sure they really even are thinking about what the word identity truly means. Right. Yeah. I've seen it mostly used as which victimized class do I belong to? Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing with identity too is as Catholics and, and this is the Catholic cave. So we kind of look at things with a, a Catholic philosophical perspective the whole concept of identity for a Catholic is very, very different, I think, than um, everybody else's understanding of identity, and not and not just because of the I identify as is is you know based off of my my desires or based off of my will, but you know as Catholics we identify based off of a relationship. So, so our identity is sort of forged in that relationship with God. So, so it's been said, um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure what that exactly means. Yeah. You know, when you go to family functions and whatnot, and so-and-so is dating a new person, uh, one of the questions is, well, are, are they, are they Catholic? You know, it, it seems to be a big deal. Is so-and-so Catholic? Uh, you know, well, uh, yes or no. Um, <clears throat> But if they're not Catholic, we, we sort of have this, well, at least in, in my family, there's a slight resistance to uh, to the notion of dating somebody outside of the tribe, as it were. Um, and so we, we do, it's even even the most C&E of us have this sort of idea where being Catholic, there's, there's something in that, there's a belonging. But what does that really mean? Yeah. Okay. So, so to identify as Catholic, even what, what, what does that mean? Because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of, of, you know, personal identity, right? Not, not necessarily what you tell people you are, uh-huh. but who you think you are. Right. So, um, <laughs> well, you, you could be wrong in who you think you are. Well, I, you know, and I think there's a, there's an element to that. I, I'm not sure any of us are ever completely comfortable 
with our own vision of ourselves, yeah. which, you know, I think a lot of spiritual grist is thrown into the mill based off of that too. That, sure. um, you know, well, we, you know, to, to use the, uh, the lion King, um, you know, you, you are more than what you've become. Right. So you aren't really who you are. Um, yeah. which is a, a very strange fit phrase. And I also think that as we, as we age and mature and we ha- we set these goals for ourselves, as soon as we become the thing that we were aiming for, it's 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 a constant moving target of identity. Because if if you've already done what you've set out to do, I don't think your your aim is high enough. Perhaps, and not only that, in human nature, we're never actually satisfied with where we are. So there's always this becoming until we die. Right. 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 You know, I, I think a great symbol of that is the rainbow, which which is kind of funny because the rainbow has become um, hijacked. Know, it has become hijacked exactly. But I think there's an appropriateness to a certain extent of of identity, personal identity being symbolized by that rainbow in in that it's that elusive thing. That's always on the horizon, right? You're always chasing it. it. You can never reach it. You can never get to the end of it. And, and yet you somehow think that there's, and not only that, but, um, you know, rainbow is, is an illusion, right? It it, it actually isn't real. It's, it's illusory. So I think there's a, a, an element that, although I don't, I don't, I don't think we can say our identity is illusory by any stretch. Well, I, I would disagree with that. I think our identity is illusory, at least from a self-actualization perspective, because we're always constantly trying to chase that, right? Does that also mean that we're always... Um, uncomfortable with where we are, with who we are? Yeah, I think so. I I think a a lot of of us are always very... As I said, we, we never quite become who we think we are. So I think there's, there's an, an element of becoming, um, and, and you know, that, that throws us back into language of ancient Greece, right? Sure. You, know, you know, the universe is, is becoming, um, there's a Protagoras that, that threw that out and Exagoras. No, that was Heraclitus. Heraclitus, the universe. No, I thought the universe was always changing for Heraclitus. I mean, Parmenides. Parmenides is always between between pre-Socratic, between well, being just, and non-being. It's a pre-Socratic. It's becoming. So yeah, yeah I think it's Parmenides. But um, but nonetheless, you know, um, this idea that that we are always constantly becoming, um, you know, uh, that I think is is sort of, you know, that that that's kind of the human state that, that throws us into the realm sure. of, uh, that throws us into the realm of Heidegger too, of, um, oh, you know, yeah. that we're, we're, yeah. we're constantly, we're, our identity is, is the search, so to speak. So yes, it, if you're a healthy individual and there's this constant searching for self identity, uh, that looks very different to an unhealthy individual. Does it not? So if, if you're a healthy individual and, and you keep striving that, that, that internal desire, that fire to, to do more, to become more, to achieve the next goal, of course, that can also be unhealthy. I was going to, I was just going to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that that is, is particularly healthy either, but well, um, I mean it, the internal drive to do more, to, to become more, to achieve the next goal, I guess taken 
if if the individual is healthy, it, you can you can get the promotion. Uh, you you can you can run the marathon. You can climb the mountain. You can. Yeah, but I think if you're you know if your if your identity is wrapped up in those things, right? So if your identity is okay, mm. I am I am a mountain climber. That that is who I am. I am a mountain climber, and I therefore I must climb mountains. Mm-hmm. Things happen, right? I mean, things keep you from being able to climb that mountain. Yeah. And and when that happens, I think you've set yourself up for, I mean, a, a major identity crisis. Quite honestly. Okay, but if you're not healthy and you're you're in this identity search, uh, that that becomes aimless wandering, does it not? The, I, I, maybe. I mean, I, I I guess. I mean, I go back to that idea that as, as Christians, our identity is not supposed to be based off of those things that we're striving to achieve, right? Oh, so precisely. So so the individual has to start out from, instead of uh, moving towards the individual thing, there has to be this universal idea of, of who the person is, and then the rest of it's just tangential. Right, it, it flows from that, right? Yeah. So, so, I mean, and, and I think you're exactly right to say, you know, it's not that being a mountain climber isn't important, right? It, it, it's not that that's not part of being a human being, trying mm-hmm. to achieve, trying to, to, to do things, trying to do that. But Christianity, I think, differs from the rest of the world in saying your identity is, is more fundamental than that. It's deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And it's based off of your relationship with God. It's not based off of those things things that you're putting in front of yourself to achieve right okay so so we we start with this baseline understanding and then all the rest of the stuff is is additional to identity right and so if 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 i fully understand relationship my relationship with god that informs my identity as as a person and then what and, and, and then I think from that, you're, honestly, you're, you're, your calling comes, right? I mean, that, that's, where, that's where your vocation really comes from. So, you know, you have, and, and we're going we're gonna to beat the mountain climbers to death here. So, um, you know, you have a relationship with God. Mm. Um, and through that relationship with God, y- you discover, A, your own inadequacies, but then you also discover, I, I think, the you know, the sins and faults of, of the world around you. Mm-hmm. And from that, um, God says, you know, look, um, there, there, there's a, a group of people, they need to climb up the mountain and I need somebody to guide them. And so then God sends you as the mountain climber to lead these people up there. But that identity is, is forged in your relationship with God, where God's sending you, what God's doing in your life. Mm-hmm. And you are not primarily the mountain climber. You're the disciple of God who is climbing mountains to help other people climb those mountains? So would you say then that if if God becomes the source through which our, our identity is established, the means by which we achieve that relationship, we can call that means the vocation itself? No, because I think the means by which we achieve that vocation is going to be found through the spiritual life, Right. It, it, it's going to be found through our prayer life, um, and and I think this is this is one thing I struggled with um, mm-hmm. as as a Christian. I still do um, the, this idea that the greatest saint may not necessarily be Mother Teresa, 
right? Mother, Mother, Mother Teresa. Uh, she's emphatically not the greatest saint. Well, oh, okay, obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Mother Teresa accomplished tremendous things as a human being, right? Sure. She, you know, she 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 founded an a global order to serve the poorest of the poor. I mean, this is not a a small inconsequential action, right? right. Um but yet there might be a saint, an unknown saint who did nothing, did absolutely nothing but pray. And and that has always been this dichotomy in in my mind that no to to be a, a great saint you've got to do something right you can't just sit there and pray all day and call yourself a saint you actually have to respond to God and do something and um, you know I and, and yes I know that that's not true but well, I think this is the Mary Martha conundrum right maybe maybe I I'm not sure if it's as, as it seems more complex than the Mary Martha conundrum, to, to be perfectly honest. So I, I think this is something we should should unpack a little bit. What does it really mean that our identity comes from our relationship with God? And and then I think on top of that, we've got to start unpacking the nature of God, because God himself is relationships. So I don't know, Mark. It sounds to me like you're trying to say we have to earn our way to heaven. I know. I know. that That's the danger here. So, so the, <laughs> the, uh, the slippery slope, so to speak. So we're going to come back. We're going to uh, keep unpacking this. We're going to keep climbing up that mountain um, when we come back from a break here on Catholic Radio. Whether things really are crazier than ever, or we just have more ways to hear about it all, it can be a little overwhelming at times. When that happens, remember the Apostle Paul's words from Holy Scripture. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for being a Catholic Radio Indy listener. And welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Joseph Tomasian and Kent, our uh, trusty producer here. And, um, you know, over the break, Kent was lamenting that he is um, restricted in uh, in musical choices because he wanted to bring us back with uh, with the, the, the great anthem, Who Am I? from, from Les Miserables, right? Because it fits right, right within uh, identity. But I think that brings up an interesting point that, um, I mean, Les Miserables is all about identity it's all about that that from start to finish from start to finish that that search and quest for for who jean valjean is um and um i think you know it is a great theme of art i mean i i I go back to a certain extent i mean this may be stretching a little bit maybe goethe's faust right right i mean that that is that well that, that is a stretch well, no, because I mean, you 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 think about his initial conundrum. He's he's bored, right? I mean, yeah. he, you know, he's 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 done it. He's done it all, and he finds himself completely bored. And so now, what? I mean, I that, can relate. That's that. That's that, that. That question. I I can't find my own identity sure. in what I've done, right? So so the doing doesn't lead me to a place where I'm comfortable. So it's the with being. who I am. So so it's it's the being. Yeah, that that whole doing being conundrum, right? I mean, you said it's a Martha Mary conundrum. Yeah. I think being and doing is probably a little more accurate. I guess or or maybe that's the same so, thing. So are you saying that being leads to doing or doing leads to being or are they mutually exclusive or do they somehow overlap in a Venn diagram? Well, I think I think from the fake it till you make it. Right. And you know, I think from from the the the, the spiritual the Catholic spiritual gurus of the day, right? Um 
I think all of them would say, no, being leads to doing. That That's the proper order. And and what happens is we get that reversed. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to find our identity as far as who we are in what we do. Right. So, you know, you, you go to a party. Well, who are you? Well, you know, I'm a banker or I'm a lawyer. Um, and, and that's where we forge our identity. Well, you know, that, that eventually is going to be empty. Um, and so our identity has to come from some sense of being. Right, right, but you know right. the the funny thing is is being, being in my mind connotes passivity. Um, it yeah, but but why should it? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because and this is where this is where I I feel like it, it, this deserves some unpacking. We don't find our identity in in a in a in a singular. We don't find identity alone, and mm-hmm. we don't find identity singularly. Our identity is always based relationally, right? And it's based off of, first and foremost, a relationship with God. But then I think ever-growing tears you, down You say the, first and foremost with our relationship with well, God, but you know, my, my one-year-old does not know who God is. And so his identity is mostly based on, well... He doesn't have much of a self-identity right now. But as he develops, it is, that's mom, that's dad, that's not me. And so there is a, a, a self-actualization that comes first and foremost from relationship with other humans before, and I would say primarily uh, with humans, before you can even understand the concept of God. Yeah, I think it's that two ways of knowing that Aristotle talks about, and, and then Say more Thomas about that. talks about. So you know, there, there, there's two ways of knowing. There, you know, you you can know things um, as you first encounter them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that that that's the 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 first. I guess you can say the 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 first way that we know something is off of a very brief encounter with it in in the world, but the. To know something deeply, and so the primary way of knowing it is mm-hmm. to know it deeply intellectually and know it, you know, from from its source, right? So, 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 so the, when when you talk about knowing something first, when you talk about the priority of knowledge, there there's sort of two priorities. You can have logical priority, and that is that that okay. So this is the 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 first kind of source principle of this whole right exactly the first principle of this whole concept or this is my first encounter with it right. which is going to be on the opposite end of the spectrum so i mean you're you're, you're talking about two ends and i think the way a child comes to know their identity is through that encounter with the other right right yeah. um yeah you know, i think their first I, w- I would say first fledgling identity is i'm not the only thing sure right? I, I, i've now encountered a world outside of myself, and I'm not the only thing. So when you say that our, our identity comes from relationship that starts first with God, what you mean is... Logically. Uh, it, 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 our relationship with God has primacy of place, but it's not the chronological first. No, okay. no, no. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I fear this, and I, I think there's a horrible thing about it. I think there are people that never... Find God. They, they they never know God. They they never they never get there to, to have a relationship with God. Yeah. So well. So since since the the conversation is largely a potluck, let's let's um, go back to the the child who uh, has 
largely negative relationships uh, as they are developing, uh, and and then perhaps don't have the tools to to fully understand or comprehend or or appreciate, uh, you know, relationship with God the Father. Uh, because my own father was never around, I don't know w- know what that means to have a relationship with 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 uh, with my own dad. So how can how can I how can I have a relationship with God who who's who's not physically present when when I don't even have a relationship with my own father who is physically present but perhaps lives in another state or uh, is a workaholic or uh, is emotionally abusive, whatever the case may be. But there are there are a not small number of of adults who live in our, our communities who who don't know what that means to have a relationship with God, and so their own self identity uh, is 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 poorly developed, or, or or just budding, and you know they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and and they still don't know what that means to have a relationship with God. So how can you have an identity as a Catholic as a as as a Christian, without really being able to self differentiate. Right, right, and and I guess that goes back to the fundamental question, right? And and it, maybe we should pose it as a question. Yeah, you know, our identity is formed in relationship, right? And and you know, as Catholics, we believe that God Himself is relational, right? God yeah. is Trinity. He's not. He's not just simply being he's a but, community of but people he's a community of, of, of people and Father, so Son, his Spirit, own identity you know. is that that permanent relationship and how um, they're individuated is in their relationship with the other well yeah i mean yes yeah, the father yeah. is not the son because <laughs> um, the father is not begotten the, the, and the holy spirit is not the son because the holy spirit is the advocate right and so we understand the differentiation of identity by their relationship so, right, boy, but the, the Dun Scotus is ringing in the back of my head. Oh, no, he's no, all the distinction, there. He's I, always there. Right, the distinction is the distinction is not a distinction of relationship. It is, it, right. it, you know, nor is it a. I, I forget what the. It, it's not a, a real distinction, but it's not a distinction of relationship. It's a. I think. I think the term he settles on is a, a relative distinction. I may be getting that all backwards, <laughs> and somebody's going to call. Him. We're going to get hate mail from from people that from, have, from, uh, from the, the Scotesian. Right, exactly. Yes, but, the local um, Scotesian. Clan, but yes. nonetheless, I mean, to say that to, st- to say that the Trinity, that the distinction between peoples is based on relationship, I think that's a controversial statement. Well, but- I don't, I, I, I don't know that it's certainly controversial because it doesn't lack merit. It, it's just controversial because other people are wrong. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, and, and and not only that. I mean, theologians have have, have discussed this at, at length in in ways that I can't even come close <laughs> to to reiterating. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but going back to to. Uh, purpose of our discussion god god himself is community right so yes. so god is father son holy spirit and and god is love so so that relationship is is pure love and it's that pure action of of the in, interaction of the three that is sort of the nature of god and and we as human beings we're made in that image where we're, we're made in that image and likeness. And so we reflect that. And so then the, the question is, okay, so we're called to reflect that. It doesn't necessarily mean that we actually do, especially if we come from broken homes and, and we're human. So we're sinners and we do dumb things all the time. I, I 
probably sin 12 times this morning. Right. No, but here's the question. Even if you sin, right? Even if, mm. even if your relationship is off, does that mean that your identity is no longer based on relationship? Right. I mean, is there any way to get out Just of wounded this? relationships? Right. So, and, and I guess the, the, the question about identity is, okay, so as Catholics, we say our identity is forged in that relationship with God, right? So identity is formed in relationship. Is that exclusively a Catholic thing? Or is that universal? In other words, even if you are a, a horrible sinner that has no concept of God whatsoever, mm. right? The only thing you know is is what you can see, what you can touch. I mean, you are a, a materialistic empiricist. Is your identity still relational, though? I mean, is your identity still forged in a relationship with something that is substituting for God? That's an interesting question. Is there any way to get away from the fact that, that human identity is not just singular who I am, but I'm trying to who think I of a rebuttal to here I because I suppose we could come up with some sort of imperialist, materialist person th- that existed in the 20th, 20th century. And for the sake of our argument, I think that we would always come back to the reality that no, every each and every human being throughout time can only have an identity that is relational and and who God is. But it's a great theory. Now, I and I don't want to diminish it and say that it's not a real thing, uh, because you know with this it's good philosophy. However. If somebody rejects that particular idea, does that mean that their idea of of their identity is any less? That's a good question. I don't know. Right, right, and I and and yet you know this is a question where we we kind of go, wow, this is this is hard to ponder, um, and and I think. There, there, once again, I think there's two sides to it. You can look at it uh, on the extremes. You can look at it from the, 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 the perspective of the absolute sinner that has no concept of God. And you can look at it from the, the, the perspective of uh, the Blessed Virgin, right? The, right. The, the purest saint, her identity forged in relationship with, with, with Christ. Now, of course, you know, she had, she was. Uh, the mother of God in all respects, in all ways. So her identity is that relationship with Christ as her son, as her beloved. I mean, uh, her, her identity is, is finding distinctions between who Mary is and the relationship that she has with God Mm -hmm. is nigh impossible. Right. And then I think, you know, obviously the farthest separation from God, you can almost say, well, God's like, completely absent to this person so there there's no relationship whatsoever there so his identity has to be formed in something else but what is it so i have two points i want to make when we get back from the break um in regards to to identity and god regardless of of whether one knows god and with that we'll take a quick break we'll be back with more on the catholic cave looking at identity you're listening to catholic radio indy Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. 
Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Joseph Tomasian, and uh, we are we are talking about what it means when we say that our identity is forged in relationship with God, right? And um, you know what what that what that really means. And and right before the break, you said you had we we were discussing how that that identity in relationship is going to be the. I guess the question is, is there any getting away from our, our, our identity being based in a relationship of some sort, whether your relationship is, is that of the blessed virgin where, I mean, you are the mother of God yeah. or whether you are the worst sinner that has no regard for God whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's, let's use these two examples and I, let's, let's put Lucifer himself at, at one end of the spectrum and we have the, the blessed virgin at, at the other end. Right. And so you, you have one who said yes, and you had one who said no. Okay. They both, they both fully, uh, give intellectual, intellectual and, and, and otherwise assent to the reality of God and, and, and know who he is. So, this there are two things that that come to mind. One is uh, the concept of exitus reditus. Are, are you familiar with that? No, no, no. Exitus reditus. No, I'm I'm not. Not only not only have I not think I've heard the phrase, but my Latin is bad enough that I, I just don't okay. know what that means. So it it means to come from and to go to. So uh, all of creation, all of creation comes through the second person of the Trinity, right? Uh, and and so. Every single thing, being, and 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 plant, animal, uh, mineral, it all comes into existence through the second person of the Trinity, uh, by the first person of the Trinity's creative power, right? And so we understand that everything comes from God. We also understand that human beings, um, the only, uh, I, I I guess physical physically created being uh, has this desire this drive to return to God and so we look for the good in all that we do even when we're sinning okay a person doesn't sin because they have a desire to sin a person sins because they think that they're going to receive some actual or perceived good from the action itself. I rob a bank. I know that it's wrong. I kill people doing so. I know that it's wrong, but I'm going to get a lot of money and I want the money. And so there's a perceived good. And so sinning for sinning's sake doesn't happen. There's always a perceived or actual good that you think that you can attain. So one of them turns inward Lucifer, the other turns outward, uh, granting her fiat. In these two things, God is existence. All existence comes from God. And, 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 and those with intellectual capacity, capability, desire to return to God, to the good. We come from the good. We move towards the good. That is the exitus and the reditus. There is no possible way, regardless of one's sinful state, 
that we can live outside of that reality. Even if I've never heard of, of the Trinitarian God, even if, I, even if I am not in relationship with God, my existence is still through that reality that all created things come from God, okay? So, and the second part of that is you have the sinner on the one hand, you have the saint on the other, Lucifer and the Blessed Virgin. Your self-identity is in gradations from how far away you are from God. So this would be one of St. Thomas's five ways of, of proving the existence of God. And I use proving in air quotes. God is not only good, but the source of all goodness. And so evil is by gradations steps away from the source of goodness, right? But the identity itself is still based primarily on the source. So in your example, There's no possible way that any one person throughout history or in the future could ever have an identity that doesn't in some way participate in God's reality. Yeah. And I think there's a, a, there's another side to that coin too. And that's from the perspective of God, you know, that, that when, when Mary said yes, um, you know, that, that obviously is, I think the, the height of sanctity to a certain extent, Mary, Mary's yes to God, right? We, we, we look at that fiat moment when Satan says, no, as you say, you've got the yes and the no. Um, I don't think that God accepts that. No, ever. Um, I, I, I think that God is constantly striving. He allows you to live with your no, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be pulling at you and, and, and constantly calling you back and yeah. constantly yes. trying to draw you, draw you back. You're into, always welcome home. Right. Exactly. And so, so that no is never a, to a certain extent, a never, a, is never an acceptable answer to God. God is always going to be trying to pull you you back so so that until when well and and i i I really honestly think until until we until we become perfect and until until we've achieved that perfect union with god that um you know we we're you know you know the perfect union with god would be god himself right sure it'd be that trinity but i think on a human perspective we look at the greatest saint we look at the blessed blessed virgin for that perfect unity with God. And until our love of God is so selfless and so complete, um, you know, the, the, and, and, and to a certain extent submissive, right? That, that we are in complete conformity with God's will. That that's what God is calling us towards. Um, doesn't does that mean that we have to give up agency? Right, exactly. I mean, you you, you think about that. Then our identity is simply as as Mary says, you know, handmaiden of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I am I am the slave of God. I'm not I'm not my own person. Um, and and you know, I think this is I've I've had this um, recurrent theme come up with an understanding of of slavery in the ancient world mm-hmm. on multiple occasions lately. So I'll go through it again. In, in the ancient world, your identity was formed through your public actions, through through what you spoke publicly and what you were able to do publicly. So the deprivation of a slave was that you had no public identity. Right. Your right. identity was wrapped up in the household, right? So you had no identity outside of yourself as a slave. So when Mary announces herself as the handmaid of the Lord, you know, she, she is to, to a great extent saying, I have no identity outside of God, which... Um, you know, I, I think that's that's where we 
we we you know and and you know it goes back to the the second greatest saint right saint saint john the baptist um you know i must decrease so he can increase right that whole sense of identity diminishes the closer we get to god okay so you know you ask do we have to give up our own agency our own actuality i don't know that we willingly give it up i think that we it it, it naturally takes place. I, I, and maybe that's the struggle towards sanctity itself is that, that natural diminishing of our own agency, not in a, not in a violent sort of way, but in a, uh, in a very, in a very peaceful sort of way. I mean, isn't that what sin is? A, a, a desire to, uh, a desire to put my will before God's. Right, right. And, you know, I guess, the, but then, you know, if, if that's the case, then, then what we're saying is this idea that identity is our own will, right? Um, and that identity has to diminish and disappear mm-hmm. is, is really what we were saying identity is. I'm not sure that that is really I what identity is. I think it's a huge is. part of it, but I, I don't know that that's the entire part of it right because if our identity is in relationship then obviously it can't disappear right yeah. you can't have a relationship with something that, that that no longer exists yes correct so so our self and our own our will um if we're going to say that's who we are is our will it it has to be magnified it has to be amplified um not diminished. so you have to get bigger before you get smaller no i think i don't think you get smaller i think you i think you you grow as you get closer to god um god but but god's the one that, that, that that's giving you amplitude if that makes any sense and, it and does it, no yeah. it, it makes perfect sense and I, I i think i i know where you're going but i'm asking questions because I think it's important to break these things down because it's so important that everybody fully understand what it is that we're trying to say. And quite frankly, I don't know that we know exactly. No, what I was we're just going to say, say. Yeah, because because as I'm as I'm talking about this, I, I think the the question becomes: Is our identity our will? And and so as a Christian, you know, conformity of the will with God is is really what the what the the striving for finding a Christian identity is to conform our will more and more to the Father's will. Sure, um, is that where we find our identity? Or when we say no, you know, our, our identity is is love, right? Yes. Our identity isn't isn't which I guess that would be the will, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's that it's, it's that love and exchange and relationship that we have through the spiritual life that the the that, that really tells us who we are. We find our identity in that. It seems to me, though, that it is it is counterproductive with today's understanding of of identity as as a variant of self actualization, and and so the self actualization is is putting your own identity, your own desires, your own will. Uh, in the forefront and then is sort of, sort of putting the cart before the horse. Uh, I am these accidents of my, of my person. And, and instead of the person emanating the particular accidents, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, by accidents, what, what you mean are the, those sort of non the characteristics, the not, but non-essential characteristics. Right. So I, I can still, I am tall, right. I, or, or I am, I am a banker, right. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're still Joseph Tomasian, even if, everything you do disappears, right? right? You still have that core identity outside of what you do. Right. Um, 
Um, but you know, I, I think when we when we look at self actualization, we 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 lose that. We we lose that I, that there is a core identity that exists prior, logically prior, obviously not through experience, but logically prior to anything and everything that we do, including I think virtuous action and sin. Interesting. Yeah, I, you know, and I think that that in, to a certain extent is it's part of my my own spiritual struggle of, of identifying myself as saint or sinner, right? That, that's how I want to try to identify. Well, it's a very myself. Hellenistic way to approach the spiritual life. And well, we in the West tend to do so more than I'd say the, the Jewish perspective of spirituality. Right, right. Yeah. But, but, you know, my relationship to God is, is made up on what I, how, how holy I can become, right? How sanctified I am that that's sort of the, the root of, of my spiritual life. I right. want to do things to become ever more saintly, ever more sanctified, but ultimately that sanctification is not my identity and, and, and trying to keep track of that, I think is, is one of the big conundrums of, of, of spiritual progress. And with that, we need to take a break. We'll be back looking at identity here in the Catholic cave. You're listening to Catholic radio Indy. Do you sometimes think that nobody prays for you? Does it seem like your concerns and worries aren't shared by anybody else? If so, then put that away. We here at Catholic radio Indy pray for you, our listeners every single day. If you have a special prayer request, go to www.catholicradioindy.org and let us know. We lift up our listeners' prayers each morning. It's how we start our workday. Let us pray for you, and may God bless you abundantly. And welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Joseph Tomasian. And, um, you know, we, we've been talking about identity. We've been talking about identity as a Christian. And, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that our identity is forged in our relationship with God. And, and we kind of said that that's true for everybody, no matter how close or, or far from God you are, that just the nature of God and, and to a certain extent, the nature of the universe, therefore, is such that we are always being drawn back towards God. Yes. God, God is constantly. So no matter how far we've gone, God is, is drawing us back. But, you know, somebody who is a horrible sinner, and and they probably don't know that they're a horrible sinner. They probably don't identify as a horrible sinner. Um, but but somebody that's far from God, they do have a sense of identity. Yeah, even and, though they might not say I'm a horrible sinner, uh, because that would take some sort of attrition or contrition. They they would recognize that they are distanced from God. So is their identity then forged in whatever sort of substitute good they're pursuing? And in, in other words, I, that's why people delve into drugs and alcohol you know they feel they feel distant from in in many cases they are they're they're distant from the source of the good and so they they go after these perceived goods in order to to mask their misery but does somebody who go after a perceived good have a strong sense of identity or a weak sense of identity or is that sort of sense of identity not related to the good that you're pursuing you know there's uh, there are people all throughout history who who had or at least uh, the perception was that they had this great sense of of self who have fallen victim to the bottle right right you know it, it's a and 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 yet too there, there there are all sorts of people that would say i know nothing of god that have done great things have been more or less quote-unquote great people um yeah. and and you know 
I, I think especially now, you know, the, I think Aristotle and Aurelius are, are two examples. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and, you know, I think in, in the contemporary climate, um, you know, Christianity is diminishing. We, we have to, we have it to is. sort of yeah. face that, face that fact. And so we're running into more and more people that in some ways they're more Christian than the Christians. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've done, we've done shows on the culture in the past and, um, We've said that, you know, as as the the as we move into this sort of post-Christian world, the standards and ethos and and morality is still set to a good extent by Christianity, but the claim is Christianity can't reach it, right? So now there's this effort to be more Christian than the Christians and to right. criticize the church for not living up to the high standards that it sets for itself. In my mind, I'm thinking about uh, Sam Harris, uh, the, the the famously atheist, uh, brilliant, brilliant man uh, who 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 presents some some very anti-religious rhetoric, but who's pretty decent dude yeah and, and super right. smart and and tries to do you know good things and he's charitable and um he's got this idea that he really wants to help people uh break free from the tyranny of 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 the restrictions of faith you know so uh, he 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 has this this mission that he believes in his heart of hearts is good um but it, uh, he couldn't be further. Fr- uh, there's there's a disconnect. I'll say right, right. So the the question is saying is somebody like Sam Harris, and and I'm sure he's talked about this honestly. Um, you know his identity. Um, you know what is that forged in? You know, and and presumably it would be forged with his mission, right? Right. With, with his, the, the this desire to bring goodness to other people, right. even even if it's misguided in some way, his his identity is is in the mission. But yet, like I said, you know, you, you listen to um, Catholic spiritual advice and they say, well, that's that's exactly backwards. Our identity mm-hmm. shouldn't be based in a mission. And that becomes a temptation, I think, even for us Catholics right. um, to, to identify ourselves in that mission in pursuit of good and bringing goodness to the rest of the world rather than it being in our relationship to God. And so we, or I, each other or each other. And so our, our question then comes back to somebody like Sam Harris and is, is his, is his identity, his true identity, who he really is based on a, a relationship or lack of a relationship with God or is who he truly is the identity that he's forged for himself in and through his, his pursuits. Yeah. I don't know. I know it. It, it, it is a. It, it is a. It, and I will say that uh, one of the things that he likes to tout is, you know, the reality of his atheism, and so I, I suppose uh, we could, we could take it the direction that uh, his identity, his self identity, is in relationship to God by by presenting his lack of relationship. Right. You know. I. I I have a I have a hard time conceiving of somebody that has no thought about God or who God is or or what God is whatsoever. Um, that has just never never encountered the concept of God and yeah. and, and and can't imagine God. You know, so there's another Richard Richard Dawkins, the the English zoologist, who who's also another uh, famously uh, anti theist. Uh, what he says is, 
during the evolutionary process of, of all species, you know, the, the least valuable thing tends to disappear, you know, for, for our species, homo sapien, we, we have, we have lost, uh, you know, the tail, but there's, there's still, there's a hint of, of, of the tail in our tailbone, uh, because it's no longer useful to us. And, and so we, we get rid of all the things that are not useful to include behaviors, but he's, he's lamenting or he's, he's entirely confused on the reality that of all the things that our species have moved away from, the one thing that we continually come back to is, is our, his words, incessant desire for God. And I'm like, well, you keep saying that that's a useless trait for, for our species, but yet it, it continues to, to exist with it in, in our evolutionary gene pool. I'd, I'd say it's it's highly useful because it points to a reality that you just don't understand. Right. And I think it, it goes back to, to human nature, even looking at us as a species, we exhibit that relational nature, right? Yeah. So if our identity is forged in, in relationship with God, animal. but you know, and more, we're a familial animal, right? Yeah. I mean, mankind, you can say we've, we've lived in, 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 We've lived in giant empires. We've lived in states. We've lived in little villages. We've lived as nomadic tribes. We've lived in any number of configurations. But the one thing that has never left humanity is we have lived as families. We, we've lived as that unit of mother, father, child. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, there really is no evidence that we've ever not lived that way as a species. And so that fundamental familial relationship um is I, I I think you know kind of intrinsic to the identi- identity of a, a human being. Sure. You know, chimpanzees I don't think do. Um, I'm, I may be wrong about that, but I don't think they exist and live really as family units first and foremost, and then yeah. as packs and tribes and and those types of things. Uh, secondarily. We, we can ask Doctor Goodall. I know exactly, but but her. nonetheless, whether whether chimpanzees do or don't, the fact is hum, human beings do, and um, you know we we exist first and foremost as a familial unit, and then only I guess as an extension of that family, we form these larger social groups. Yeah. So our identities, even as human beings are based in that relationship. And it's that relationship between father, son, and the, the, the relation between them that our identities are, are forged in, which that, you know, that is the identity of the, the, the Trinity. I think you're missing one. Well, the, 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 the Holy spirit, but you know, I, I, Guess I, we were talking about how you know talking too much about the Trinity is difficult because it is such a mystery. So yeah, it is. Yeah, how the how the Holy Spirit fits in there. There's any number of, of theological uh, sort of you know you, you've you've got Maximilian Kolbe's yeah. um, you know the, the you know the the Holy Spirit is the love between the the Father and the Son. Uh, you know I I um, my own background so I. Um, went to uh, I went to undergrad in in Bloomington at, at IU um, was a history major there but was very enamored with Eastern Orthodoxy mm-hmm. while I was was there in school you were 
Protestant at the time? I, yes, that, that's correct. Protestant mm-hmm. is a school. So I kind of came into the Catholic Church through, um, the, I, I would say, more the intellectual pursuit yeah. of Eastern Orthodoxy. Not so much the spiritual pursuit, but the, the, the intellectual pursuit of Eastern Orthodoxy. And so those formulations of the Trinity, um, I'm always very, very careful because um, you know the, the Eastern Orthodox would find that idea that the Holy Spirit is somehow the love child of Father and Son. Yeah. Um, um, to be anathema. Um, and yes. yes. <laughs> they, 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 so um, so a- after you left IU, you, you continued your education. That, 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 that's correct. I was, uh, I was enrolled in the Institute of Philosophical Studies down at the University of Dallas. So okay. their, um, their, their PhD program in, in philosophy. And um, I, I didn't complete the program. I dropped out. I, I, my calling, even as an undergrad, was to work in the, in the pro-life field. So I'm president of Right to Life of Indianapolis now, partly because I came back to that calling, um, you know, through, through drips and drabs. Um, I, I remember checking out a book from the library um, to do research on one of the uh, the papers, and I, I realized I'm the only person in 30 years to have looked at this book, and, and that was an eye opening moment for me. Yeah. Of like, what am, what am I doing? I mean, I'm 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 reading books that that nobody else has has ever looked at to a certain extent, and nobody, honestly, my thought at the time was nobody cares about this anymore. So I went through a little bit of that that sort of identity crisis, but also. Um, the calling back to the pro-life movement coincided with um, my wife and I having our first child. And so there was this uh, both there was a need to go back to the, to, to work um, for monetary purposes, but also I was, I was being called back. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I was right. being called back to, to pro-life work. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you, there's, there's lots of things about you um, that, that lend credence, that lend experience to uh, being able to talk on these very heavy subjects. Right. And in particular identity, right? Because, you know, I, I, um, you know, I've, I've shifted my identity on the one hand, I've always kept that identity of a Catholic philosopher. Right. So, um, you know, I've always retained that even though professionally I I don't do anything with that, but it, it is part of my DNA. It is part of who I am to have this sort of intellectual pursuit towards philosophy. But on the other hand, yeah, I've, I've honestly, I have never identified myself as a, a quote unquote pro-life, you know, pro-life leader, pro-life warrior, pro-life. I mean, that that's almost always been secondary to my own self-identity. But sure. in a lot of ways, that that is who I am is, is um, you know, the, the sort of uh, pro-life activist. Uh, Mark Tuttle is an interesting man. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think we can kind of wrap up a little bit on our, um, our our discussion of identity that, you know, even even when we have a vocation, even when we have a calling, that identity, it, it, the central identity is still our relationship with God. Right. And um, when we, and, and honestly, when we have identity crises, when we when we when we lose track of who we are, when we have a difficult time finding out not only who we are, but what it is we're supposed to do. Most of the time it's because we've reversed it and, and we've, we've started to identify ourselves with what we feel we're called to do and not necessarily that central relationship between us and God. And so, you know, we got to come back. We, we, God calls us back constantly 
to that to that central theme that you are my beloved child whom I created and um, and nothing is going to take that away and um, you know it, we have to be reminded of that we have to be continue to come back to that and then I think the rest of our identity of who we are what we're called to do what our vocation is it, it kind of naturally flows from that and with that we wrap up this edition of the Catholic Cave for Joseph Demasian for Mark Tuttle I'm Kent Blanford until next time be holy the Catholic Cave is a production of Catholic Radio Indy replays of this program are available in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org Comments about this program can be addressed to Kent at catholicradioindy.org or by calling 317-870-8400. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.